0: Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for another time in your presence. We pray, Lord, that you speak to our hearts in Jesus' mighty name. We pray that you give us understanding, give us a heart that is that is receptive to your word. I pray, God, that you give me utterance this evening in Jesus' mighty name. Speak through me in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right. Okay, so... <clears throat> This evening, I'm just gonna I'm gonna speak on following, following hard after God, and I'm going to um use. I'm going to use two stories from the Old Testament and then two stories from the New Testament to illustrate the point of following hard after God. Um, the first, the first text I want us to read is in Matthew chapter 22 verse 35 to 37. The Bible says, Then one of them, a lawyer, came to, came asked, I'm sorry, one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, Shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And so this person came to Jesus Christ with a question. And Jesus Christ told him that the greatest commandment is that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your soul, and with your mind. Which means that if you want to be a follower of God, then it has to be your hundred. It has to be 100%. You are not going to follow God half-heartedly. But if you want to be a good follower of God, if you want to be a good disciple, if you want to be somebody who pleases God, then it has to be 100%. You have to follow God 100%. You don't have to hold anything back. So Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So Jesus was telling him that he God expect total commitment from us. And so if we are going to follow after God, then we have to decide that we are going to be committed 100%. We are not going to follow God half-heartedly. We are not going to follow God when things are okay and things are nice. And when things get difficult for us then we will say we we'll deny God and say that there is no God. But if we want to follow after god this year and even the years ahead then god expects that we put in a hundred percent it is a hundred percent commitment it is not a half-hearted commitment it is something we go in with our mind with the with the mindset of somebody who is locked in that we are not going out no matter the outcome no matter what happened. we are staying in and we are following after god that should be our mindset if we are going to follow after God, if we are going to follow hard after God, then it means that we are totally committed and nothing will be able to separate us from God. Now, there's, there's a story in the Old Testament about men who were going to battle with Gideon in Judges chapter 7. And so God told Gideon that the men who were going to battle with him were too many. And so he wanted some of them to go to return from the battle. And so God told Gideon in Judges in, in chapter 2, verse seven, I'm sorry, chapter 7, verse 2 and 3. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianite into your hands. God wanted this to be the case so that when the victory comes, they will not rely on the fact that they had a great army or they were, uh, they were um, greater in number than the Midianite. God wanted them to see his hand in the battle. God wanted them to see that it was him who brought the victory. And so God said that the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianite into your hand. Lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying my own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart once from the Mount Gilead. And 20,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. So, these people who had their weapons with them, I believe they were dressed in their armor. Some of them, I believe, were, because for you to be in a military, I'm sure that, again, these people were just the nation of israel who are going into battle but i believe that there were men who had huge muscles and men who when you look at them you can you can tell that these people are ready to fight they had their armor they had their everything ready in the battle and they even traveled with would get you to a place so the mindset is that these guys are ready to fight the enemy these guys are ready to do battle but imagine When Gideon asked a question and said, the Lord told Gideon to ask them a question that whosoever is fearful should return. The Bible says that 20,000 of the people returned. It means that even though they had dressed, they have left their homes and they they are following Gideon to the battle. Even at this point, it appeared as if they were in, they were totally in and they were ready to fight but they, they had fear in their heart and their heart was not ready for the battle. Their heart was not ready for the difficult situation that they were going to go through. They wished that they had the opportunity to stay back or to stay home. And when Gideon gave them that privilege, the Bible says 20,000 of the people. So out of the multitude of the people, only one third was actually ready for the battle. Two thirds were just following the crowd. And joined, they joined the crowd and they were just following the noise and they were just in because there were many people in there. Today, in, 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 in our churches, in our Christian lives, in our world today, there are more, many people who are just following. When things are rosy and things are nice and there are no challenges and there are no difficulty, there are many people who will profess Christianity but when their faith is challenged. There are many people who would say that they are followers of Jesus Christ, but when they they face challenges or when their faith is challenged or when they get into difficult situations and when they get into crisis or when they get into conditions, if they had the option to return, if they had the option to reject God, many people would just reject God. Sometimes people will reject God because they will say that, Oh, they prayed about something and it was not answered. Or they saw their grandmother or their grandfather or their dad was sick and he prayed that he would be healed and he was never healed and he he died. And for that reason, they would deny that there is no God. But for every single reason or every circumstance that that is in your, your present for which you are tempted to deny God, you should also look at the past and things that testify that really, God exists, things that testify to the existence of God. There are many things in this world that testify to the fact that there is God. And so don't look at one situation in your life that will cause you to reject God or turn turn away from God. If there is one situation that is speaking to you and making you feel there is no God, remember the the sea that God had created. Remember who created the sea, who created the heavens, who created this earth that we we, we walk on, who created you. So if you were created by God, don't let any circumstance in your life speak to you or make you feel there is no God. And so when there is one circumstance that speaks to you, Remember the things that testify about God. There are so many of them you can point to, a lot of them around you. It might not be something that um, responds to the, your need in that very minute, but there are so many things in this world that we live in. There are so many things that God has done for you in your past that testify to the fact that there is God. And so don't let one situation tell you that there is no God. There are so many ways in your life that God has proven His His existence and His presence with you, and so whenever you are tempted, remember those situations and remember the things that God has created in this world that testify of His existence. And so this man who came to the battle with Gideon, I'm sure Gideon thought that oh, he had a lot of people who were who were ready to stand with him in the battle, but God knew their heart, and God didn't want them to take glory because what it truly, what it really meant was that there were very few people who were ready to do the battle. The 20,000 people who went back, they were not ready to really follow. But the 10,000 people were ready to follow hard. Were ready to face any difficult situation and they were ready to stand in in the battle. And were not ready to turn back. This evening, I just want all of us to prepare our hearts like this 10,000 people. That no matter the difficult situation, no matter what comes our way, we are going to pursue God. We are going to follow hard after God in our, our 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 entire life here on earth, we are going to spend our lifetime following hard after God. Job was a man who went through so many things made lost so lost almost everything not almost in fact he lost everything that he had, and yet he said in job thirteen verse fifteen though he slays me, yet I will trust him." Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. So he said that no matter what happened, I am following hard after God. There is no way I'm going to turn back. In his mind, he said, even though God slays me, even though it feels like I'm being punished, even though it feels like I'm rejected, even though I have lost everything, I've lost my children, I've lost my business, I've lost everything, I've lost my health. Even in this situation, I am still going to follow hard after God. Job had set his mind that nothing was going to take him away from God. And if we are going to be able to follow hard after God, we need this type of mindset. That no matter what comes our way, even when it feels like we are going through pain and we are going through punishment, we would say, we will still say that we will follow after God. We will trust him. Amen. Another person who is an example of somebody who follows heart, who followed hard. First, so we have seen in the story of Gideon, the 10,000 people who followed hard and were willing to go the, 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 the full length. They were not ready to return, even when they had the option. They were ready to go the full length. And another person that we can talk about is Ruth. I believe that we all know this story, how Naomi and her husband traveled outside of, um, outside of their country and went into another country. And then Naomi lost her husband and lost her two sons. And she was left with just her two daughter-in-laws. And Naomi decided that she was going back to the country which she came from. So in the traditional, in the culture of that of those days, when um, when a man dies, his brother is able to marry his wife. And so the, the daughters in law will stay with their mother and if there, there the if there's a brother who is who will be willing to marry them or there's a family member who is who will be willing to marry them, then they they'll marry they will marry them. But Naomi was left with her two daughters-in-law because she lost her husband, she lost her two sons. And so at this point, she was going back to her country. And so she told her her daughters-in-law in Ruth chapter one, verse 11. The Bible says, but Naomi said, "'Turn back, my daughters, why will you go with me? "'Are there still sons in my womb, "'that they may be your husbands? "'Turn back, my daughters, go.'" For I am too old to have a husband. If I should say, I have hope. If I should say, if, sorry, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they are grown? Would you restrain yourself from having husband? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes, that the hand of the Lord has gone against me. Then they lifted up their voices and they wept. And Ophah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. That is an example of somebody who is following hard. When this lady had when the when Ophah had the opportunity to return, she kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But the Bible says Ruth clung to her, to her. And Said, look, and she said, that is Naomi said, Look, your sister in law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after her, your sister in law. Baruch said, Entreat me not to leave or turn back from following you. This is a person who is following hard, who is determined to go the full length. For he, she said, For where, whenever you go, wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And and there I'll be buried. The Lord do so to me and more. If anything put if anything by death by death parts you from me. And so Ruth decided that the only thing that was going to separate her from following after. Her mother-in-law was death. I believe that we need this type of mindset. The only thing, and even the Bible says that even death will not separate us from the love of God. But Naomi said, um, Ruth said, the only thing that will be able to separate us is that it means I am going to follow hard. I am going to follow you to the end. No matter what happens, I am going to follow you. Even though she saw her her other sister-in-law leave. Even though she saw her other sister-in-law leave. She was determined that nothing was going to separate her from her mother-in-law. She said that she was going to follow after her. Even when her mother-in-law was persuading her to to go back. Because there was no, there was there was no opportunity, there was no hope that she was going to be able to give, um, to give birth. And even if she finds a husband, she wasn't. Even if she should give birth the next day, the children will not be old enough to marry them. But Naomi said, um, but Ruth said to herself that I am going to follow after you. I am not going to turn back, no matter what happens. This year, as we have set our heart to follow after God, we need this type of mindset. That nothing is going to separate us. That even when you have your heart desires, the things that you are expecting, the things that you are praying about, even when those things are answered, it does not mean, okay, now God, whatever I wanted from you, I have them so I can return. Like Opa, when she was given the opportunity to return, like the uh, 20,000 soldiers, when they had the opportunity to return, they just said, they just kissed goodbye and they left. Yes. May you not kiss God goodbye. May you not kiss your relationship with Jesus Christ goodbye because of difficulty or because you have your needs met or because you are living a comfortable life. If you have everything you need in life, if you all the prayers that you are praying are, are answered or if you see the manifestation of all your prayer re- requests, would you still follow hard after God? Or if all the prayers that you are praying are never answered, will you still follow hard after God? We need that mindset. Now, Peter said, um, and I'm going to come to that, that to whom shall we return to? For we know that you have the words of salvation. Peter got to a point and realized that there is no hope for us if we return. There is no turning back. There is no way we can go back. We are locked in with you because we know that you have the words of eternal life. You must understand that eternal life is found in Christ alone. There is no hope for us to return into the world. we It's not like we have another option. There is no plan B. The only plan we have is Christ, to remain with him, and to follow hard after him. That is the only plan we have. We don't have any backup plan. If you are a child of God, you don't need any backup plan. Your only plan is that you are following after God. And that's why the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 22, that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, and with all our soul. It is a hundred percent commitment And so if you are saying that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, it is 100%. You cannot be in and out at the same time or out and in. You have to be in 100%. That is what following hard after God means. That even if things are, everything is nice, I'm still staying. If everything is not as I expect, I am still staying. I am not going to leave. I'm going nowhere there is this, there is a story of a young man who came to jesus christ now in the book of luke this man is called the rich young ruler but i i, I want to read the story from the book of mark in mark chapter 10 verse 1 to 7 uh, mark chapter 10 i'm sorry from verse 17 not from verse one verse 17 the bible says now As he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt down, knelt before him and asked, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? I want you to watch the question very well. What the man came with was that I want to inherit eternal life. That is the reason why he came to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ answered him and said, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandment, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Now, Jesus Christ was telling him, why are you calling me good? Here, Jesus Christ was not denying the fact that he was good, but he was pointing them to the fact that he was God. Because he said, it is only one that is good, that is God. And remember, Jesus Christ had already said that he had already referred to himself as God in his interactions with the people with the Jewish people, and so he was not denying here that he was God, he was not denying here that he was good, but he was saying that he is god you you yourself are saying that if you are see, if you are saying I am good, then what you are also saying is that I am God and so Jesus Christ told him that You know the commandment, do not commit adultery, do not commit murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And the young man said, he answered and said to him, teacher, all this I have kept from my youth. The Bible says Jesus looking at him, loved him. So this is somebody who is like he's almost there. Jesus loved him. But I want want you to to take note of something. This is a rich man. He is young and he is a ruler, which means that he is influential in the society or in the community. Now, if you remember the story of another person who was influential in the community who came to Jesus Christ, Nicodemus, in John chapter 3, he came to Jesus Christ at night time because he didn't want the people to see him. But this man did not care about his reputation. He did not care about the fact that he was rich. He came running. This, you see, even in, in, in today's world, if you see a rich man running after, if you see a rich man in public who is running, I'm sure you'll be like, you know, what's going on? Because being rich alone, he's, he will he, he feel like, oh, the people are looking at him, so he has to comport himself. He, he wouldn't show that he's desperate for anything. But this young rich ruler came running after Jesus Christ. That showed that he had a heart that wanted to follow after Jesus Christ. A heart that was willing to pursue Jesus Christ. Not only did he come running, but when he got to where Jesus Christ was, he knelt down. Can you imagine a ruler, an influential person, rich, came running, and then he knelt down in front of Jesus Christ. Nicodemus couldn't even come during the day. But this man, As rich as he was, as influential as he was. The Bible called him young, which means as a young man, he's been able to he's he has done well for himself. He was rich and influential in the community. But look at his heart. He came running and he knelt down and he asked Jesus Christ, good master. In some of us, he even though he was rich, he was influential at a young age. He felt there was something more he needed because he, f- he saw that the riches were not enough. His influence wasn't enough. There was something else he needed. And so he came to Jesus Christ and said, Ask him a question What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, when you read the story, you realize that not only was this man rich, not only was he influ- influential. And young, but he was a good man, because Jesus Christ said, "This is the, the you know the commandment: do not commit adultery, do not commit murder, do not." So he was a righteous man by the standards of the law. He said, "All this I have done from my youth." He said, well, from when I was a very young man, I kept all these commandments." So this is a man who, by the by, by the law, he is righteous. He is rich, young influential but he still felt that there is something that he needed today some people come to church and all they need is money this man had the money all that some people believers come to church for is they want to, to, to they want influence influence but this man was influential he did not hold on on to all those things but he ran to jesus christ he knelt down And he said, what should I do to have eternal life? He realized that all these things were not enough. And so when we come to Jesus Christ, the ultimate and most important thing that we need, that we should focus on, is eternal life. Because money is not enough. Influence is not enough. Even if you want this life, you want to live a healthy life, that alone is not enough. But once you realize that you seek Jesus Christ because he is the only one who is able to give you eternal life, then that also helps you to stay on course, to stay with him no matter what happens or what comes your way. And so Jesus Christ looked at this young man and the Bible says that Jesus loved him. I mean, who would not love this, this, a, a man like this? A rich man who came running, didn't care about his reputation, knelt down, and he wanted eternal life. He has has lived a righteous life because he said he had kept all the laws from his youth. So Jesus loved him. But Jesus said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. All that Jesus wanted him to do was to follow. He said, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And the Bible says, but he's, he was sad at his word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possession. This is a very lovely story of a young man, very rich. The Bible says he has great possession. And the grace possession wasn't enough. And so, the disciples, when you read further, the Bible says the disciples were shocked. They were shocked. And they said, Peter asked Jesus Christ, if this guy does not qualify, (laughs) then who qualifies to go into the kingdom of God? He did not care about all the things he had. He just wanted to follow after Jesus Christ. He wanted to... To um to ha- he wanted eternal life because he realized the most important thing it in in this world is eternal life, and when the young man left sorrow with with sorrow. The Bible says, "Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, 'How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of heaven.'" And the disciples were astonished at his word, but Jesus answered answered again and said to to them children how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of heaven it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven now the camel going through the eye of a needle people have said so many things about it but whatever the case the point here is that it is difficult Whatever, when some people have said there is a um, there is a gate in Jerusalem called the Eye of the Needle, others have said it's it's literal. But whatever the case, it's just the size of the the the, uh, the hole that is changing. But it's whatever the case, it's still difficult for the camel to go through. And then the Bible, So that's not the, that's not my point for today. But but <laughs> verse twenty says, then they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who can be saved? He said, if this guy who just came here is not qualified, then who can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men, it is impossible, but with God, with God, but not with God, for with God, all things are possible. Then Peter said, see, we have left all and followed you. So the disciples had actually gotten to the point where they left everything they had. They had left their families, they had left their homes, their businesses. Peter was... A, Peter had a fishing business. Matthew was was a tax collector or an accountant or he worked for the IRS. And they had left everything and followed Jesus Christ. So Peter said, hey, Peter, so therefore ask Jesus Christ, we have left everything and we have followed you. And Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one, including the young rich ruler. There is no one who has left house or brother or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution in the in this age and sorry and in the age to come eternal life Note the reason why the the young rich ruler came to Jesus Christ. He wanted eternal life. But Jesus told him to go and sell all that he had. And now Jesus is telling Peter that if this young man had given out all that he had for the gospel and for my sake, there was no way he was not going to have it back in this current age and in the age to come, eternal life. So then why did Jesus Christ ask him to give up everything? Jesus wanted total commitment. This young rich ruler came to Jesus Christ. He wanted Jesus Christ. He wanted eternal life, but he still had his heart. The Bible says here from what Jesus Christ told the disciples, that it is difficult for those who trust in riches. It means that this young ruler, even though he had checked all the boxes, he still had his trust in his wealth. He had his trust in his riches. But the first scripture that we read, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. All of us need to get to that point where we have our complete and total trust in god god wants all of us to come to that point this man wanted to have eternal life wanted to follow jesus christ and still put his his trust in other things there are some of us who have accepted jesus as our lord and personal savior even though we have confessed him as the lord over our life there are things in our lives that we have not given him the lordship over that jesus christ i have given you my heart but as for my pockets my bank account, you are not the Lord over that area. That uh, Jesus Christ, you are the Lord of everything, but over my family, you are not the Lord. But that is not what God wants. He wants total surrender. He wants total commitment. And so it wasn't that Jesus Christ did not want this young man to have wealth or to have great possession but he wanted his heart to be circumcised. He wanted his heart to be, to trust in God and not to trust in his riches. Because Jesus Christ said no one, so even if this young man had given it up, Jesus Christ was promising that he w- he was able to get all those things back and eternal life that he wanted. So he was going to, once he was able to, if he had he had been able to circumcise his heart, and given up all and follow Jesus Christ, then he, he stood the chance of getting all back with eternal life that he wanted. But now he chose to keep his great possession. He wanted, his, he wanted to put his trust in those things and still have eternal life. Now, my question for you this evening is, what do you put your trust in? Do you have your trust in something, even though you are confessing that Jesus Christ is your Lord, even though you you are saying you have, because this young man, in all his demonstration, everything that he did, he demonstrated as somebody who was zealous to follow Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ even loved him because of his zeal and his passion to follow, but he wasn't ready to surrender all and follow after Jesus Christ. Now, someone said that. The the only instruction or the, the only thing Jesus Christ told all the twelve disciples was follow me, follow me. Maybe if this young man had followed, he would have been the 30th disciple. Or maybe he would have replaced Judas. Because Jesus Christ said, leave everything and follow me. It was the same instruction he told Matthew. He says, follow me. And Matthew left everything and followed. This young man could not leave everything. He wanted to keep his trust in those riches and still follow after Jesus Christ. This year, as we have set our heart to follow after Jesus Christ, let's not set our heart on earthly things, on carnal kind of things, but our heart should be after Jesus Christ. Our passion, our zeal should be after he himself and not after the things that he's able to give us. Because no one will want to have a relationship where you don't care about he, uh, the person himself, but you care about the things that they can give you. Nobody wants to be in that type of relationship. God created us to have fellowship with us. And so let's not replace that fellowship by treating God like an ATM, that we only come to him when we need something. Once he gives it to us, he gives it to us, then we are gone. But God desires to fellowship with us. In the book of Genesis, the Bible says that during the, uh, um, the cool of the day, God came down to have fellowship with Adam. And so God desires fellowship. He wants us to follow him, not because of the things he can give us, but he wants us to follow him so that we can have a relationship, so that he can be our God and we can be his people. Does that mean that God does not care about the things that we need? No, God cares about our needs. He is going to supply our needs, He's going to provide our needs. But He says that seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What are these things, the things that the Gentiles follow after shall be added unto you, but the first thing is to follow after and that this we are called to be disciples, we are called to follow when Jesus Christ gave the great commission in the book of Matthew, he said, "Go ye therefore, and make disciples in homish, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy, teaching them to us. so you he he is expecting all of us who have accepted the word to be disciples. The common word, like I said earlier, is follow. That's what he told the disciples. The question you need to ask yourself is, where is your heart? Is your heart in your money? Do you just come to church just to follow the customs or are you truly a follower of Jesus Christ? just want to let me move to the next all right let me just move to the next story right in John chapter 6 there is another interesting story John chapter 6 is where Jesus Christ performed the miracle of um feeding the 5,000 men. He prayed on the bread. The Bible says they followed him into the wilderness. And during the Passover, Jesus Christ looked at them. And because of his concern for their physical needs, so like at the point I made earlier, that Jesus Christ cares about our physical needs. And so he's going to meet those physical needs. So he had given this guy's bread, multiplied the bread, they ate, they ate the bread. They ate the fishes. They were full. There was left over. He asked them to gather the, left, the leftover so that none will go waste. And in verse 22, after these guys had eaten bread, the Bible says, And the next day, on the following day, when the people were standing on the other side of the, of the sea, when the people standing on the other side of the sea saw that the there was no other boat there except the one which His disciples had entered, and that Jesus Christ had not entered the boat with His disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boat came from Tebris, Te- near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people saw that Jesus Christ was not there, nor His disciples, they also got into, they also got into boat and came seeking Jesus Christ. So these were the guys that Jesus Christ had fed with the bread. They ate the bread, and so when they got up and they realized that Jesus Christ was not there where he fed them, they noticed that there was there was no boat there except the one that the disciples um, um, entered into and left, and so they were wondering where Jesus Christ was these guys went through the pain of getting a boat and traveling all the way to Capernaum, seeking Jesus Christ. I'm sure that if it was us, if it was a pastor who somebody had taken a boat from one place and they have traveled across the sea to church. Oh, a pastor, every pastor will be excited to see such a member. (laughs) They came, the Bible says they were seeking Jesus Christ. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? But Jesus Christ knows their heart. Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. This was the only reason why these members came to church that day. (laughs) They ate bread. Because when Jesus multiplied the bread after eating, they went through the pain, traveling with the boats to the other side. But Jesus knows their heart, that they came not because they want to hear the word, not even because of the signs they saw, but because they ate of the loaves and were filled. And Jesus Christ warned them, he says, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. You see, through the examples that we have seen, the young rich ruler, people, you can mistakenly think that by your actions you are following hard because you can go through pain, travel with a boat, with a train, with a ship, come to church. Like the young rich ruler, you can run in public and everybody looking at you would think that this guy is following hard. But God knows the state of your heart. And so Jesus Christ knew their heart that these guys are coming here. They are coming to seek me. Not because they really want to fellowship with me. Not because they want eternal life. Not because, if not even because of the signs, but because they ate bread and they were full. There are people who go to church or, 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 or start a relationship with God because they have heard that if they come to church, they will be rich. They have heard that if they come to Christ, he will heal them. If they come to Christ, they don't have to. They, they, Christ will take all their pains away. And so they come. They are laboring for their food or for the things that perish. Look at all the miracles that Jesus Christ performed. Even the people that he raised from the dead, they died again. The people that he healed, they died. Imagine the people who ate this bread, they also died. Imagine if you enjoy all the miracles that Christ has to offer and you don't have eternal life. What good is it? All the people that we read in the Bible, imagine those that he Lazarus raised him from the dead. And if Lazarus does not make it into eternity, what benefit is the resurrection that Lazarus resurrected? The people that he healed, yes, he healed, gave them a second chance to live a good life. But if they died after living even a thousand years on earth, I'm sure none of them lived a thousand or even a hundred. But let's assume they lived a hundred and they died. They don't have eternal life. The miracle of the healing had no benefit to them in eternity. The miracle of the bread has no benefit Lazarus, those who resurrected from the dead, if they never had eternal life, then all those miracles were not necessary. They were not important. The most important thing is eternal life. And so when you come to church, don't let your heart be on promises. Yes, God is a faithful God. He can keep his promises. But let your heart follow hard after eternal life. Don't come to God For things that perish, this life, this body that we have, the money, all those things are perishable things. But what will live in eternity is your spirit. If you are saved and you follow hard after God, because one day you have hope of spending eternity with him, that should be your mindset as you follow after God this year. Your heart should be to seek him for who he is and not for the things that he can give you. Amen. And so Jesus Christ warned these people that do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. And he says that that everlasting life, it's only the Son of Man who can give that everlasting life. So when the people noticed the absence of Jesus Christ, they went out to seek him. Jesus was not merely pleased because they came there to seek him but he questioned their motives. And so when we come to church, when we say we want to follow after Jesus Christ, our motives are important. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, mommy. who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness <laughs> and reveal yeah, the counsels of the heart. So the Lord when the Lord comes, the counsel, another word for counsels of the heart is motives of the heart. The Bible says then when the motives of everyone's heart is revealed, your motive for serving God, your motive for following after God, your motive for working for God, your motive for coming to church, it will be revealed. And the Bible says, when the motive is revealed, then each one's praise will come from God. So if you had a genuine motive, your praise will come to will come from God. In John chapter 6, verse 27, the warning Jesus Christ gave them was do not labor for food which perishes, but for food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. Because the Father has set his seal. Upon him. And so at this point, when Jesus Christ had told them these things, it appeared as if the guys were repenting. Let's look at the conversation that went on again in verse 28. They said to Jesus Christ, What shall we do that we may work the work of God? It appears as if these guys have changed. Then Jesus answered them and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said, What sign will you perform? Look, they are going back. They are backsliding. They just repented a few seconds ago and they are backsliding again. They are asking for a sign when Jesus Christ had already told them that what you really have to follow after is eternal life. But this guy's backslide. They are backsliding again and they said, What sign will you perform then? Then that we may see it and believe you. What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. They want bread again. You see, they had already eaten bread. They came because of bread. Jesus Christ pointing down to eternal life. Their mind is still going back to the bread. He said, our fathers ate manna in the desert. It is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to the most that I say to you, Moses did not give the bread from heaven, but my father gives the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So Jesus is turning their mind from the bread again and bringing them back to eternal life. This is how gracious Jesus Christ is. I can imagine if Jesus Christ was one of these evangelists that are here preaching. At this point, he would just direct them to hell. Because the guys just came for bread. He's trying to give them eternal life. Their mind is still going back to their bread and to science. But Jesus Christ graciously tells them again listen, don't focus on earthly bread, but focus on the bread of life. That is what you actually need. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give that bread to you. Then, verse 34, then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. You see, the people, they're the main reason why they came to church. Is bread. No matter how hard you try to change their mind, (laughs) they still go back to their bread. (laughs) Then Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet did not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and and the one who comes to me i will by no means cast out for i have come down from heaven not to do my will but the will of him who sent me this is the will of the father who sent me that all he had given me i should not i should lose nothing but should raise it up at the last day and this is the will of him who sent me that everyone who sees the son and believes in him may have eternal life. So Jesus Christ skillfully, graciously directed them back to eternal life. Now when Jesus Christ told them that he is the bread they actually need, let's see their reaction. They were offended. That wasn't the bread they were expecting. They were offended and so they left. They turned back. But Jesus Christ, or when you look at the conversation that Jesus Christ had with them, he kept pointing them, what you need is eternal life. What you need is eternal life. Their whole mindset was on earthly things. And today that happens to us so many times in so many places in church that we come to Jesus Christ, not because we are following after him, because we we believe that he can give us eternal life, but we only want the things that he can give us. And every time he will point our mind back to eternal life, that what you truly need is eternal life. That is the most important thing that we need. We all need. And so these guys who came to the church of Jesus Christ because of, of bread, came to the fellowship that day, they left. And so Jesus Christ asked the people who remained. Therefore, many of the disciples, in verse 60, John chapter 6, you can reach the whole chapter. It's a very interesting chapter verse 60 the bible says therefore many of the disciples when they heard this said this is hard saying who can understand it this was when jesus christ had said i am the bread of life i am the bread you need and they said this is a hard saying who can understand it when jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this he said to them does this offend you what Then, if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profit nothing. The words that I speak to you are Spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus Christ knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him and he said therefore i said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father from that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more all the stories we have read right from gideon some people went back they were not following hard enough they went back we saw the story of ruth Opa went back. We saw the story of the rich young ruler who came with a lot of zeal. He couldn't follow hard enough. He went back. We've seen the story of people who came seeking after bread. The Bible says from that time, many of his disciples, they stopped following him. They stopped walking with him because they said that what they heard was a hard saying. And Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? But Peter, always the spokesman, he says, but Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter had reached a conclusion that Jesus is the only one who can give eternal life. And for this conclusion, for this reason, he was locked in with Jesus Christ. No matter what comes his way, he said, to whom shall we go? We have no place to go. All of us who seek to follow hard after Jesus Christ this year, this should be our conclusion. We have nowhere else to go. We are locked in with you because we know that you are the only one who can give eternal life. The Bible says there is no name given among men whereby we might be saved. It is only the name of Jesus Christ that brings salvation. And I pray that this year as we, we seek to pursue Jesus Christ, all of us will set our heart to follow hard after him. That we will not turn our back no matter what comes our way we we'll pursue him and follow hard after him in Jesus mighty name amen amen we have 5 minutes more shall we i don't know if there are any questions or comments okay alright shall we pray okay alright so there's one question in Matthew 22 you read the scripture on how to follow heart after Christ but by loving him with our heart okay so there's a question here what does loving God with our heart mean? I think that I, um, okay there's another hand up Lord, do you, you have a question? Okay, following God with our heart or loving God with our heart. I believe it's, it's. Um, I, I would say it's total God, like following God with our heart, with our mind, with our soul. It's total commitment that we are totally, loving God with our heart is total commitment that we are totally committed to God. Everything within us our um our emotions our thoughts our will we have surrendered all to god we are following him and we are loving him with everything that is within us i don't know if there are any more comments on on that pastor jessica yeah so um i was just reading what people are saying yeah um
1: I've been reading a book and it kind of is a good, it's a really good question. Um, And I, you know, as um, you were speaking, that's what came to my mind. When, when we're in a relationship with someone, um, we can choose to be close hearted or open hearted to that person. Um, So if we're in a real relationship with God, then we'll have an openness towards him, which means that the other person is allowed to input. They're allowed to speak to us. They're allowed to tell us when we're wrong. They're allowed to um, inform us. And so that information actually changes us. So the other thing is that we're also willing to change. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is what that what that means as, as as you were talking that's how that's what I see you know um, when we're doing it for real though it that's what happens amen
0: amen amen any more comments questions right it's 7.59 shall we pray Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you praise. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us here to study your word. We pray in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, that everything we have heard with God will become part of our lives. Grant us the grace to be obedient to this words. We pray that this word will transform us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Amen.